Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to InSung on oneplace.com. And now it's time for Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Hello, this is In Sung Kim from Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. Uh, we are in the month of life where it's just pro life month. And uh, we are celebrating life. And we have a special guest from Charlotte Logier Institute. And Ms. Tessa Longbones here. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, she is a senior research associate in uh, Logier Institute, and which leads and equips the pro-life movement with the groundbreaking scientific, statistical, and medical research. And uh, Tessa leads the Logier Institute's research on state level and the national abortion trends. In fact, some in the pro-life movement say Tessa knows more about abortion trends in the United States than CDC. Oh, wow. And she's a co-author uh, with Dr. James uh, Stun- Stunicki. Is that right? Stunicki. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and several groundbreaking analysis that leverage medical data to uncover the real-world impact of abortion pill. Wow, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Just please share with us a little bit more about yourself. Yes. So I have been with Charlotte Lozier Institute for about five years now. We're based in Arlington, right outside of D.C. And if you would ask me five years ago if I would have expected to still be here I would have said no. I uh, grew up in rural Illinois and never expected to find myself in Washington, D.C., but it's been a great place, and I've really enjoyed the opportunity to get involved and to be part of the research that Charlotte Lozier is doing and the pro-life movement as a whole, and so uh, I'm glad that God ended up leading me to to Washington, D.C., even though that's not what I initially expected. Oh, okay. And um, a lot of audiences are resonate with the stories. And so what motivated you to especially uh, first in the Logic Institute and uh, more in the abortion uh, topic in the issues? Well, I have always been pro-life mm-hmm. and I started to get more involved with volunteering and participating in various ways when I was in high school and then in college. But it was actually through an internship that I did in D.C. that I got connected with Charlotte Lozier Institute for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being at a conference and flipping through the conference booklet and seeing the, uh, the advertisement for Charlotte Lozier Institute and just reading more about the work that the Institute was doing. And I thought that that was such a cool opportunity, such a great way to serve the pro-life movement that I decided I wanted to be involved. Mm -hmm. And so I did an internship with Charlotte Lozier, and that turned into 
a full-time position and where I am now. And so it was one of those things, God putting me in the right place at the right time to see exactly how I, with my particular skills and abilities, could get more involved in the pro-life movement. Yeah, it's such an early age, and uh, so many young generations don't open their eyes about these life issues. And uh, to me personally, that you, you're in so early age that we're educated about these life issues. Is that uh, somebody helped you, or is it on your own to find out um, more about this pro-life movement? Yes. So my parents certainly, when I was much younger, when I was a kid, explained to me why all life is valuable, how we're all created in the image of God, and so all life should be protected, both born and unborn. But then as I was getting older, it was more of a series of events and different Mm -hmm. people that really helped me become more educated and more informed. Um, This was everything from I went to a worldview conference called Summit out in Colorado, and there was a speaker who talked about the pro-life issue from a more ethical or philosophical perspective and walked through all of the arguments to show that unborn babies really do have rights that we should should protect. Mm -hmm. And then as I started to get more involved with the pro-life movement, talking to people on the ground, many of whom had experienced abortion firsthand, about how that had harmed them or harmed women that they knew helped me begin to see that abortion not only is the intentional destruction of a human life, it's also really harmful for women, it's harmful for families and for the men involved. And so as I was learning all of this, that motivated me to be more involved and uh, to do what I could to, to help people truly understand what was going on and to know that there are other answers than abortion. Even in the high school or college uh, that uh, we're all hush-hush about it, but we all know what is going on, right, on the campus? Yes, yes. So um, uh, I did get more involved in high school. It was mainly through my county pro-life group that mm-hmm. uh, would have regular meetings, gave me opportunities to um Think about things also from a political perspective. And then another county adjacent to ours actually ran a camp for high schoolers Mm. to become more educated. And they would bring in speakers who would address a lot of these topics from different angles. And so I participated in that. Mm -hmm. And that also was really helpful. And for a lot lot of the other high schoolers I knew as well to to educate us and to to equip us Mm -hmm. um, to be better informed. Mm Mm-hmm. And so uh, you've been researching about this abortion pill. Just educate us a little bit more about abortion pill. Yes. So chemical abortion, the abortion pill is actually a process that's induced with several pills that forces a woman's body to expel the unborn baby and the pregnancy tissue. So this is in contrast to a surgical abortion. And so the abortion pill that everyone thinks about is mifepristone, which works to block progesterone, which is a hormone necessary for sustaining pregnancy. So a woman would take that, it blocks the progesterone, kills the unborn baby, and then she follows that with misoprostol, which works to 
force contractions and to expel the unborn baby and the other pregnancy tissue from her uterus. And unfortunately, these chemical abortions have become increasingly more common. They are now a majority, well over half of all abortions in the United States, and they're more dangerous than surgical abortion. Uh, some studies have found that they have four times the rate of complications as do surgical abortions. Uh, infection, hemorrhage, uh, incomplete abortion that requires a woman to go up to undergo follow-up surgery. These are some of the complications that we're talking about. Uh, and because these, this type of abortion continues to increase, this means more and more women are being put at risk. Hmm. So recent uh, decisions was made, right, on, on from the Food and Drug Administration to uh, put it on the, pharma, uh, the pharmacies, right? Yes. So the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, approved Mifepristone back in 2000, and they understood that it was a dangerous drug, mm-hmm. and so it's had regulations on it ever since that time. But the abortion lobby has pushed in the two decades since then to weaken these, and they have successfully lobbied the FDA to continually weaken these protections until recent, just recently uh, the FDA finalized changes to allow these drugs to be made available in pharmacies. And so now any pharmacy that wants to participate in the prescription program can get certified to dispense these abortion pills. And pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens have already said that they intend to do so. And this is very concerning, not only because, of course, we don't want to see abortions increase, we don't want any more unborn babies to be killed, but also the fact that these drugs can be so harmful for women and making them available in pharmacies means that that's just one more step removed from women having that in-person interaction with a provider that can rule out things like ectopic pregnancy that can be fatal or a pregnancy that's too late to use the abortion pill. And Mm -hmm. so it just means that these drugs that are already very dangerous are going to become even more dangerous with less medical oversight and wider availability. Mm. So um, recently they expanded more uh, to broaden the availability of the abortion pill in more pharmacies, and including large chain and mail-order, right, mail-order companies? Yes, yes. So last year, the F- or 2021, the FDA made a change so that the abortion pill no longer needed to be dispensed in person. And so this paved the way for all of these online abortion providers to spring up that make the drugs available to women to order online and then would send them through the mail or now pick up at a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And some of these require video calls. Others don't even require that. You can just get online, fill out the form, order the pills, and have them shipped to you or go pick them up. And that's dangerous because you never know where these drugs are actually going to end up, who's actually on the other end of the computer screen ordering them. And so they can easily fall into the wrong hands or be taken by someone who who should not be taking them because of other medical conditions that they have. And so that's why I was so disappointed to see the FDA lift this requirement because 
this is something every woman should have that in-person visit with her with her healthcare provider to make sure that she's not going to be putting her life at risk and to make sure that no one is coercing her or pressuring her into the abortion because sadly many women do feel pressured. Hmm. So unlike high school and college uh, young generation, uh, they don't even have uh, the frontal cortex is not developed yet. They're highly sexually active. So uh, they might just misunderstand this drugs as are like birth control, right? There is so much misinformation out there about the abortion pill. That can be really confusing for young women who are trying to, to navigate a mm-hmm. frightening, confusing situation. And I just really feel for all of the young women who are my age, younger, who are getting online, trying to do their research and finding information that says the abortion pill is safe when it's not. It's easy when it's very painful and can lead to complications. You don't have to talk to your doctor when that is not true. Your doctor needs to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yet we've seen these websites telling women things like, your doctor doesn't need to know you're having an abortion to treat any complications. It's okay to go to the emergency room and not tell them what's happening when that is terrible advice because these drugs do send women to the emergency room and the emergency room healthcare professionals need to know how best to treat them. And so it just is really disturbing how much bad, dangerous information is out there that women are encountering as they're trying to learn more. Hmm. I think this uh, woman's, um, I don't know, we call it woman's movement or feminist movement, whatever, uh, that we consider a long time ago as a good things because women couldn't even vote and were able to vote and trying to help women. But I think it went to the other extreme uh, that it actually harms women rather than protecting and helping women. And I think that is abortion pure. What do you think? I completely agree. I would say that the abortion pill is anti-woman because it is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. In fact, here at Charlotte Lozier Institute, we, we did a study recently because we wanted to see how uh, chemical abortion versus surgical abortion was impacting women and whether it was sending them to the emergency room. And so we looked at the records of women on state Medicaid, and so completely anonymized. So we just see the, the records, but can't link it to any individual. But that allowed us to look at each abortion and then follow it out 30 days to see if women were ending up in the emergency room. And what we found is they are. In fact, with chemical abortion, we found a 500% increase in the rate of emergency room visits between 2002 and 2015, which was the most recent year of data that we had. And chemical abortions were much more likely to send a woman to the emergency room than more surgical abortions. Mm. So these are pills that are dangerous, increasingly dangerous, that are sending women to the ER. And now there are just so many lies about out there about the safety of these drugs that women don't even know that they could end up in the emergency room and don't know that they need to tell emergency room personnel what's going on. So, yes, I would definitely say it's harmful to women and putting their, their health and sometimes their lives at risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And also, I heard that there is some、uh, dispensers in the college.、Um, have you heard about this、uh, news too? Yeah, so in California, there's been this push to get abortion pills available on campus through campus health centers、mm-hmm. uh, so that they are even more accessible to college students and that, so that young women don't even have to go off campus to obtain these drugs. Which is just yet another example of how these drugs are continuing to spread. These, the, the access to these pills is continuing to spread, but at the expense of women's safety, because your typical campus health center is not equipped to treat all of the different complications that could result from a chemical abortion. And now, with, like you said, the recent FDA changes to make these available in pharmacies through the mail. There are just so many things that can go wrong. And then when things do go wrong, women don't know where to go for follow up care. And so I think we're going to see that rate of emergency room visits continue to increase as women end up in the ER because they don't have anywhere else to go.、Hmm. So in 2000, approved the,、uh, this abortion pill to terminate pregnancies up to 10 weeks. And where are we at today? So, actually, when it was first approved by the FDA back in 2000, they set the,、uh, the timeline even earlier because they knew that these drugs become less effective as pregnancy advances and that complications increase.、Mm-hmm. So, they set, the,、uh, they set the timeline much earlier. But they've Continually push that back. The abortion industry has continually pushed to dispense these drugs later and later. And so now the, the recommended guidelines from the FDA is 10 weeks, but many abortion centers prescribe past that. And in fact, there's been some research done、uh, with abortion centers wanting to even dispense drugs in the second trimester when they're much less effective.、Mm-hmm. And so I think we're going to continue to see this trend of trying to. Administer abortion pills later and later in pregnancy.、Hmm. According to NBC News, and,、uh, more than 3.7 million U.S. women have used these medications since approval. And probably the number is going up, right?、Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So it, the, the drug manufacturers,、uh, GenBioPro and Danco, Keep track of how many pills that they ship. But then, of course, they don't know how many women actually end up taking the pills. And then there are also the, the other groups,、um, like Aid Access, for one, that are illegally mailing pills to American women. And、mm-hmm. so when you have these pills coming in internationally, no, no comprehensive tracking on the part of the U.S. to see where pills are coming from, where they're ending up. Uh, that means that our information on how many chemical abortions are actually taking place, how many lives are being lost, and how many women are being harmed is really incomplete, woefully incomplete.、Hmm. So basically, it, it gets more complicated because abortion statistics w a s even hard,、uh, hard, difficult to keep track. And We barely know the total number. We don't even know that's an accurate number. But now, mail in abortion pill、uh, abortion, we will not know the statistics. 
uh, probably. Exactly, yes. Our data was very poor to begin with, particularly our complication data. The FDA used to require that uh, abortion providers report all adverse events that resulted from the abortion pill. But they changed that back in 2016 to require that only deaths be reported. Mm-hmm. But even prior to that change, if you compare the the complications collected by the FDA with those that have been independently published elsewhere by abortion chains like Planned Parenthood, it's obvious that FDA was missing over half, some estimates say 95% of all the adverse events. Mm-hmm. Yet this is the data that the FDA is relying on to determine that the abortion pill is safe. Mm-hmm. While we know from countries that have much better records, like Scandinavia, that the abortion pill isn't safe, that it's more dangerous than surgical abortion, but our data is so flawed in the United States that it's really hard to even see exactly what's going on with chemical abortion here. Mm. And like you said, that's only going to to grow worse as these drugs continue to spread. Mm. So usually what country uh, is producing this to for the people to purchase? Well, they are manufactured overseas. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of information available on exactly where the drugs are manufactured, although there have been reports that at one time it was in China. I know some factories in India also manufacture them. But um, the American distributor, the the American distributors of the abortion pill are Danco and GenBioPro. And Mm -hmm. so they are the ones who are... Uh, coordinating the manufacture and distribution of the abortion pills in the U.S. Hmm. So these days, one click, they can purchase it. So is there like a website that people go to and they can uh, purchase it? Yes. So there is a whole network of websites that have sprung up, that they they, uh, they sprang up to take advantage of the the new landscape that was allowed by the FDA when they removed that requirement that the abortion pill be dispensed in person. Mm -hmm. And so now that there's no longer any requirements that a woman actually have that face-to-face conversation with her doctor, it it makes it a lot easier for many of these companies to distribute these pills easily and cheaply for them, although, of course, it's putting women's health at risk. And so... Uh, Depending on the website, some of them require that a woman do a video call. Some require that she do a phone call. Many just require that she fill out an online form, and then they'll review it and uh, send her the prescription or mail her the pills. Mm. And so really there isn't a lot of oversight, and it's very patchwork how this is all working out. Mm. So um, we reversed Roe versus Wade. Now um, it's another... Uh, issues coming up with abortion pill, and more than 50% of abortion is happening through the abortion pill. And there's a lot to study, and I bet um, Logit Institute is the front line, and we'll really appreciate all the work that uh, you and uh, other uh, uh, leaders in the Logit Institute, and we really appreciate it, and I think we need more proactive research to protect the woman. Well, thank you. And 
And yes, that is that is our goal to make sure that the facts are out there uh, mm-hmm. for women who are looking for information and just for every all Americans to know what the research actually shows and what's going on. Because mm-hmm. we all know people who might be considering abortion or may have had an abortion. And so we want to make sure that the facts are out there, that there's research that people can rely on mm-hmm. uh, to give them the answers that they need. Yeah, yeah. We're going to continue our program next week. Uh, and we're talking about abortion field. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And thank you for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.